Are you going to be teaching kindergarten next year for the first time, or do you know someone who is? Teaching kindergarten for the first time can be overwhelming, and maybe you're feeling unsure of where to start. Well, look no further. I have the ultimate survival guide for new kindergarten teachers. I created it based on all the things that you need to rock teaching kindergarten next year. All the things I wish I had known as a brand new kindergarten teacher. Get your mindset ready to tackle the challenges of kindergarten, learn how to set up your classroom for success, and master key strategies for teaching effectively. Plus, prepare for the first week of school like a pro. Don't miss out on this free guide, and please share it with your new teammates and friends who are moving to kindergarten next year. Get ready to embark on an incredible journey in kindergarten education with me as your virtual teammate cheering you on. Download the free guide today at www.kindergartencafe.org slash new dash teacher. That's kindergartencafe.org slash new dash teacher. Welcome to the kindergarten team. Hello, teacher friends. Today we're talking about that dreaded, difficult conversation. We all will have them or have had them. They have gone well, they have gone bad. And I'm here to help you learn from all the good things that have happened during those difficult conversations, as well as the really difficult conversations I have had and what I have learned along the way so that we can ease our stress. Because these conversations, these are what makes us stay up at night. These are what make my brain spiral out of control, waking up all hours of the night. They are what make me sweat nonstop during conferences. And then I realize I need more deodorant. but no more. Now I know how to be proactive about these difficult conversations and to really make the best of them. Are they all going to be perfect? No, but I don't take them as personally and I definitely don't stress out about them as much. And I keep my sleep as best I can. Let's dive into the episode. You're listening to the Kindergarten Cafe Podcast, where kindergarten teachers come to learn classroom-tested tips and tricks and teaching ideas they can use in their classroom right away. I'm Zeba, creator and founder of Kindergarten Cafe, and I help kindergarten teachers with everything they need from arrival to dismissal in order to save time, work smarter, not harder, and support students with engaging and purposeful lessons. I'm here to cheer you on through your successes and breakthroughs and offer support and resources so you never have to feel stuck or alone. Ready to start saving time and reducing your stress all while using effective and purposeful lessons that students love? Let's get started. The best way that we can handle difficult conversations with families is by being proactive about our communication with them. Parents want to know that you love their child, that you value their child, and that you see them as a partner in the role of educating their child. So I always make a point for the very first communication I always have with families to be a positive one. After the first day of school, I make a phone call home to all families letting them know what a great day their child had, how much I'm enjoying getting to know their child. And this is a 
especially helpful in kindergarten because parents are freaking out about their child's first day of kindergarten. I don't know who's more nervous, the students, me, or the parents. Probably the parents, because as soon as I call and let them know it was a good day, that their child was happy, that they had fun, they made friends, you can hear the sigh of relief on the other end of the phone. So I always make a point to start my relationship with families with that positive phone call home. If you're already weeks into the year and you haven't done this, don't worry. You can still make a positive phone call home. Parents love hearing positive things from teachers about their students, and they're honestly not expecting them. If you call home, they're going to think something bad happened because that's what they've been trained to believe. If they see a note in the backpack from the teacher, they're going to assume something went wrong because that's what they've been trained to believe. So make a point, if you haven't already, to have a positive communication home. That way, when you do have difficult things you need to talk about, you are already set up on a good foot and have a great foundation for your partnership with the families. They'll know that you love their child and that you believe in them and that you're there to support them. As things come up, don't wait for conferences. As I said in the last episode, don't wait for the two times a year you have parent-teacher conferences if there are major concerns about a child or there are big behaviors happening. Call them in for a conference or talk to them on the phone. Let them know what you're seeing. Let them know these little things or as these concerns are popping up so that when you have bigger concerns or the behaviors are getting worse or they're not getting better, parents aren't blindsided thinking, you never told me this. I didn't know this was a problem. Because if you go to them in April or March when you have your spring parent-teacher conference and you say, well, all year they had trouble with talking on the rug, the parent's going to say, you never told me this. I didn't know this was an issue. I would have said something to the child. I would have whatever. But there's nothing they can do about it now. It's April, right? If you noticed a concern that you're having that's a big concern, let them know as soon as you notice it so that it's not a big deal, that it's not something you've withheld, that you, that they're not blindsided by your news. The other way that we can be proactive about our communication with families is to provide regular learning updates. Parents get really frustrated when they have no idea what's happening in the classroom and their kids aren't probably telling them because the, literally the number one complaint I get from families is that their kids don't tell them what happened during the day. And I tell families this is completely typical and normal that kindergartners honestly forget by the time they get home and they're tired. So I like to provide regular learning updates so that parents really feel like they have an insight into what's happening in the classroom. Again, so they're not blindsided by issues coming up. I want to help bridge the learning between the school and the child's daily life at home. So ways I do this are weekly newsletters. I have kids upload pictures and videos of their work on Seesaw for families. Seesaw is a fantastic app, and I love that the kids can be independent with uploading the pictures and videos of their work and adding audio. And the parents really love seeing a little snippet into their child's life at school. I also send home monthly homework. That is a form of a bingo board and a supper 
talk ideas that all relate to what we're learning about in school. And in the newsletter as well, what I do is I encourage families to ask their child questions. So I don't necessarily give all the information of things we've learned in that week. I'll say to the families, ask your child about what it means to be a nonfiction book, as opposed to, we learned that nonfiction books teach are teaching books and teach us information because it really encourages that conversation with their child. The next way that we can be proactive with our conversation for difficult conversations is, as I've already mentioned, not to wait for conferences to discuss issues. When you get to the conference, if there's an issue, hopefully they already know about it by now. If you're about to get ready for your parent-teacher conferences and you're thinking, oh boy, I have a big concern that I need to talk about with this family and I haven't mentioned it at all, that's okay. You can learn from this and do better next year. It will just make your conferences easier if you've already mentioned the big, big concerns. And so go into the conference knowing that parents may be blindsided if you haven't told them ahead of time what your big, big concern is. I'm not talking about, oh, we're working on staying quiet on the rug or, oh, we're working on being kind to our friends when we're upset or we're working on identifying all our letters. You know, in the fall, those are very typical things. If it's something that is typical for kindergartners to be struggling with, that's something you can address in the conference. That's fine. I'm talking about big concerns like you've been working on teaching them letters and they haven't learned any letters or they've only learned a couple of letters or they're significantly behind their peers in math and counting or they're having behaviors that disrupt the class every single day or they're being physical with kids every single day. Those are the big concerns that you want to address as they're arising, as you're observing them, as you're noticing them. So let's talk about those conversations. When you meet with the family to discuss these concerns, be prepared with specific data and observations. If you say to parents, I have a concern about how your child is handling their frustration, they're going to say, like, what? What do you mean? What specifically? Can you give me an example? Which are all valid questions for them to ask because they want to understand more of what you're saying. Oftentimes, teachers use the education jargon that we use all day long with each other and within the school, but parents don't know that jargon. And so the more specific that you can be, the better. So if I'm talking to a family about concerns about a child's behavior, I will have written down ahead of time a few examples of what I'm talking about so that I can give parents the before, the during, the after of the behavior so that I can say, well, yesterday on the rug, when we were playing with blocks, your child grabbed the block from the other student. And when they said, give that back, they threw the block across the room. That's the specific example that I'm talking about. You don't have to share every single time that this happened. You want to share a couple of specific examples that really bring your point across for what you're concerned about. You do not want to just heap on with every single time the child did something wrong. That's not fair to the families, and that will not come across as you trying to help the child. It will come across as you wanting to complain about the child to the family who love them very, very much and don't want to think about the teacher that their child is spending all day with as someone who hates their child or is frustrated by their child. 
You do want to be specific with your concerns and your examples, and you want to be very clear with families about your level of concern. Is this something that is typical in kindergarten or is it not? If it's not, is there an equivalent that you could say maybe it would be? For example, their number knowledge really is more like that of a preschooler right now. Or the way that they're communicating with their peers is more like I would expect a three-year-old to communicate with their peers. Here's an example, right? So you want to be clear about your level of concern so that there's no misunderstanding with the family about how concerning this behavior is or academic issue is. And as I mentioned in the last episode with the conferences, anytime that you bring a concern to families, you want to ask them if they've noticed the concern. Have you seen this at home? Is this something that you're worried about as well? Ask them what works at home. So is this something that you've seen at home? What works for you when your child gets really upset? How do you help them calm down? This shows that you're not just, you don't have a predetermined plan in place. You don't have a judgment out on them. And you're really open to their feedback and ideas on how best to support their child. Because as I said in the last episode, the parents are the child's first teacher. They're the expert. Then you want to share, here are some things that I've tried in the classroom already. Because as teachers, you have, you don't, you're not going to just bring, you know, a big concern to families without having tried something. You're going to try a couple of things, observe, and notice what happens so that you're ready when you meet with the family to say, well, I am trying to meet with them every day during reading for 15 minutes. And what we do in this group is X, Y, Z. We work with the sand letters, then we work with the magnetic letters, and then we work on matching letters. Every day we do this. And so far, I haven't seen the progress that I'm looking to see. So I am getting a little concerned about the way that they're learning their letters. Here's what I would like to do going forward. So you say what you've tried and whether it's worked or not, and then you have a couple of ideas for moving forward. I'd like to try a few different things. Let me know what you think. One, I'd like to get a literacy teacher to come observe the child. Whatever it is you think for this scenario, you have a couple of ideas, and then you talk to the family and see what they think, and you make a plan together going forward. Whenever you meet with families about a concern and you come together with a plan to move forward and to help the child, you want to regularly follow up on this concern with the parents. A few days to a week or two after the conference, send an email or a note home and let them know, hey, we had a great week, so-and-so, only had a few issues with being physical with kids, which is way better than it had been before we met. Thank you for coming in. Or I'm still noticing some issues that we were having with so-and-so on the playground. I'm going to try adding in this thing as well. I just wanted to keep you updated, right? So whether it's working or not, be straight with the parents. If you can find something positive to say, please do, they really want to hear it. But if not, let them know an update after a couple of weeks, because when you lay a concern on them, they're going to be thinking about it a lot. And so it's really important that you keep them updated. I'm not saying do a daily update, but a couple of days after the conference, 
or a couple or a, a week or so, let them know how it's going. Let them know how the plan is going. If it's more academic concern than a behavior, I would wait a couple of weeks because anything you try will take some time to see any progress. But when you do see that progress, you let the parents know. You send a positive note home to families saying, hey, so-and-so learned six letters this past week. I'm so proud of them. You know, even that it's, you're thinking to yourself, oh, they've only learned six letters. Six letters from zero letters is a big deal. So you better share that with the families so that everyone can be cheerleading the child together. Then the next time you meet with the family and you still have concerns about their literacy development, because they've only learned 10 letters, you can show that they've made some growth, but then you compare it to other kids. Not literally, not saying, well, you know, Joey over here learned 20 letters. No, no, no. You say, typically at this time of year, I would expect to see the child know 20 letters or all the letters. And because they don't, yes, they've made some progress, which is great that what we're doing is working. It's not the kind of progress that I was hoping to see. And so we do need to think about ways to step this up a bit. Okay, this was a lot of information about difficult conversations. If you have a difficult conversation coming up that you are nervous about, send me a DM or an email. Let me know the situation and I can help walk you through what I would say to the families, what I would have prepared, because you don't have to do this alone. I've been there with difficult conversations where I was alone, and it is so much better with another teacher by your side or at least talking through ideas with you. So let me be that for you. I'm happy to chat with you. Send me the DM or an email, and let's get through this together. Okay, it's time for the quote of the day. Girl who is five years old said, my grandma invented my mom and my dad invented me. Hope you have a fabulous Thursday. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Kindergarten Cafe podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information and resources, or just head straight to kindergartencafe.org for all the goodies. If you liked this episode, the best ways to show your support are to subscribe, leave a review, or send it to a friend. I'll be back next week with even more kindergarten tips. See you then.